0: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Small Council Radio. So on tonight's episode, we are going to be doing a recap of uh, uh, the Indianapolis event that was just held over the weekend. Uh, it was the AdeptCon, like CIMON, um first official event, uh, because AdeptCon was canceled this year. Uh, but... As far as we know, Gen Con is uh, still going to be a thing, uh, I believe in mid-September, so I can't wait for that. Uh, Tonight we have with us myself, Brett, and Craig. We should be having on Justin in a little bit, uh, so hopefully he's able to uh, jump on soon. But otherwise, uh, tonight we're just going to kind of be going over the matchups that we had and uh, what we faced and how we did. Um, I did say that we were going to have on first, second, third, and fourth, but uh, um, you know, probably I'll say that the uh, top four places were all four small council radio members. All of us went either 4-0 and o or 3-1, and one, and none of us lost to anyone that wasn't small council radio because uh, Brett beat all three of us. <laughs> so uh, all three, uh, my loss, uh, Justin's loss, and Craig's loss are all from Brett, and, uh, Brett only played one player that wasn't uh, small council radio. So, uh, overall an amazing event had a great time. Uh, you know, it was awesome to see a bunch of the people that were able to come out from all over the country. We had someone there from Florida, New York, Ohio, uh, Iowa, Illinois, you know all over the place, and so it was awesome to kind of meet everyone and kind of swap stories and you know kind of see what's going on been going out with everyone for the last you know year or so um but with that said, uh we're gonna jump right into it uh we're gonna go in the order of first or sorry uh fourth through first uh, and end hey, off with Dave. uh Brett's run yeah, go ahead uh really
1: quick. I'd just like to say something because i i i want to get it out in the chest at the risk of sounding kind of cheeseball, like, before you guys really get into it, I just want to honestly say that, like, I am genuinely, like, really proud of you guys, my co-host, like, the performance that you guys pulled. Dave, you went into 50% starts with Baratheon. Uh, The odds of you pulling out wins like this, uh, slim to none. Craig, you haven't played a single game in a year and a half. Justin went into it playing neutral. I'd just like to say, obviously, I am a game whore. I play this game constantly. (laughs) I played in World Cup. I made it to the finals of World Cup. I played in Masters. I have played in so many TPS events. Like, my my blade has been sharp this entire time. But you guys, uh, Craig came in cold. Justin came in with one of the worst rated factions. And Dave, you came in with also bottom tier faction and you guys really really did a great job uh super proud of you but i will let you tell your stories and how you pulled it off but for me personally i don't know if i got the chance to tell you guys this but i am you guys did
0: just phenomenal thank you appreciate it. all right uh so with that said, uh, I did run Baratheons. I was going to be running Starks. I have run Starks at every major event since the game uh, first came out and started, you know, and there were tournaments to sign up for. I have always run uh, Tully uh, Blackfish uh, on foot with um, either Berserkers or Great Axes or something of the sort and a list built around that. Um, This time around, I saw so many Stark players entered, and uh, I feared, you know, because uh, it's kind of a last hurrah of 1.6, or at least, you know, so we think, I feared, you know, why not? Why not jump into Baratheons, which I have only a handful of games under my belt? Uh, Even though they're painted, uh, so many people at my local play them that uh, I kind of put them on the shelf uh, cause I hate playing mirror matches. So, uh, you know, I was like, you know what, not only that, I just finished, uh, painting up a champions of the stag and I was like, you know, I could show off the paint scheme and just, you know, show off the paint scheme of my entire Baratheon. So that was kind of the justification for why I jumped last second into Baratheons. Not only that, but, uh, Brett kind of convinced me as well. And, uh, as you'll get to Brett's, uh, you know, him talking about his stuff, I kind of helped him c- convince him not to run Starks. Uh, and I don't know if I was the sole reason or just a small one, but uh, I, why he ran. You Nice watch. You,
1: you, Chris Tran, and Dakota talked me out of running Free Folk. I had every intention of taking Shane's three Folk. We even played that practice match. I was a little bit pumped. I was gonna, I was gonna <laughs> let the people in Indy see the Steers' vengeance. I don't think most people were ready for that. They don't know that match until they play it. But you, you actually, the wife, Susie, um, Chris, Tran, and Dakota all talked me out of Free Folk. I had pretty much decided not to take Stark. It was between Free Folk and Night's Watch. But yes, you, the, you guys all kind of talked me out of Free Folk. But I'm very glad that I didn't definitely that I didn't run Stark, Um, just so many of them, but sorry to interrupt, go ahead.
0: No, you're good, yeah, so I mean, could you imagine if me and you both had just went with our first initial plans of Stark's, I mean, how many more Stark's there would be, Uh, not only that, it would have been uh, nine to five, nine to five,
1: yeah, really, that's just bad,
0: Not only that, but uh, it wouldn't have given us the outcome we have, which is all top four players have a different faction. So uh, even though there were so many Starks, only one Stark made it to the top four. Um, So, you know, there's definitely that. Uh, But yeah, my first game was against uh, Chris Bloom. He was running Baratheons as well. So as the day started off, I'm like, great, this matchup. So for those that don't know, which isn't very many... I've played Chris Bloom twice uh, before this at big uh, big events, and Chris is a very great player. Like, he's he's really good. He knows what he's doing. Uh, both previous times, though, I faced him. He was playing Night's Watch, so it was a little different, But uh, and I was playing my Starks. Uh, and Chris Bloom is one of the only people that's ever beaten my Blackfish list. Uh, I think out of maybe 30 maybe 32 like actual um big uh event games with my blackfish list. I've only lost with it uh five times. Two from Gary, uh two from um uh Chris Bloom and then one from John Hurley. Some of you might uh know them from either coming to Indianapolis or some of them do play on TTS. Uh so All great players. And Chris Bloom, before uh, I played Brett, had been the only person I had ever played at a big event that I had never beaten, even though both of our games where I lost was only by, like, a victory point or two. So, uh, again, going into it, thinking, oh, man, a mirror match, and I'm facing Chris Bloom, who I had never played before. So, um, uh, oh, yeah, and then uh, I forget, uh, uh, Craig, you also... Uh, beat my Blackfish list as well, I believe. Uh, I played it into Clash of Kings with no Calvary and uh, (laughs) somehow it it was a lot closer than I think it should have been, but uh, you were able to pull that one out. Um, But uh, but yeah, so I was going into this game, I was kind of nervous, you know, because I didn't know how it would do, uh, especially because he had uh, a relore list and a Uh, rose knight list and you know i had my my two lists and i knew that neither uh list that he either list that he picked would be bad for my uh my mel list because either he'd have a bunch of high morale that my mel was going to do almost nothing or he was going to run rose knights and then just heal them all back up and i was going to be the one losing out on that transaction so I felt like I had no choice but to go with my Penrose list, uh, which ended up doing amazing. I was able to get some early points. Uh, I was able to control some more objectives than him on, uh, what was the first mission, guys? Was it uh, Game of Thrones?
1: Yes, it was. It was Game of Thrones.
2: Yeah,
0: so I was able to um, get on... Uh, the objectives fairly quickly and start controlling those because my Penrose list has uh, champions of the stag, two sentinels, and two wardens. Um, I know a lot of people, from what I've heard on uh, you know online, that you know they like to run the rose knights in there, and I know a lot of people aren't fans of sentinels. I have two sentinels in each list, and I think had they just gotten like a six-up morale, they're perfect for the Baratheon. 1.6 tactics deck i can't tell you how often with rose knights and wardens that hours of fury uh eh, you know last stand, eh you know these cards that should be very punishing can turn out to be just kind of little pokes at the bear uh sentinels though they can be kind of glass cannon um they're perfect for these retribution cards they hit so hard so i usually don't leave home without uh at least one, if not two, in most of my Baratheon lists, and they almost never let me down. Uh, You just kind of have to play with them a little more reserved and kind of protect them a bit more. But uh, yeah, so I was able to get to an early lead, and then because of Elden in my list, and I believe I went first, I was able to get so many cards in my hand over the course of two turns that I was able to uh, cycle counterplot and Uh, Defensive counter, is that his card, Brett?
1: Yeah, defensive counter is like the bane of everybody's existence. (laughs) It's such a good card. (laughs) Audrey. it's in Donald Noy's arsenal, but um, for whatever reason, it's probably the combination of the other Baratheon cards. Um, because Baratheons want to play more defensively. But oddly, defensive counter is not much when you play against Nightwatch with Donald Noy. But when you're playing against Baratheon, I think because of the retribution, because of Stag's resilience and things like this, when you get stuck in that combat, like, my God, do you pay for it?
0: Yep. And so... I was able to counterplot his key retribution cards at the moments I needed them and then I was able to defensive counter and then just kind of sit on an objective tying up uh one of his Ruler Faithful and his Dragonstone Noble and uh you know he had, his list was a Champions of the Stag um uh, two Ruler Faithful each with a priestess a Dragonstone Noble then he run he ran uh Axel NCU uh who else do you run? Um, Walder Frey and Beric, and he had a Dragonstone
1: noble in the champion. Yeah.
0: Oh, yep, that's correct. Uh, and it almost uh, it almost hurt me really bad because um, I fur- I didn't know it was in there. He's like, "It's on the list." I'm like, "I guess that's my mistake. I I didn't see it listed on there because I had attacked knowing that I could counterplot a uh, a for- or a uh, countercharge, and then he wanted to countercharge with uh, Sentinel order and i'm like wait a second and the model was on there it was just completely my oversight and uh but then after he rolled and set his uh set you know them on my flank we realized that i had waldered them so they had no abilities so it kind of saved my butt at the last second um so yeah it uh it was overall um it ended up being kind of a lopsided game uh Penrose was just able to help me shut down anything and everything he wanted to do. Uh, I had him up on activations by one, so that kind of helped me uh, allow me to outweigh him to defensive counter uh, my unactivated unit uh, three times to really just kind of sit there with a warden unit and not have to do anything. Uh, Yeah, and the funny thing was, this is the only time I used my Penrose list, the entirety of the game. My champions, the stag, just sat on one objective and got me three points and never attacked. So in the entirety of the tournament, my champions didn't do uh, any fighting. (laughs) They didn't make a single defensive save or attack once. Um, Next up, uh, second round, I played... uh, um, I think his name was Derek. He was a Free Folk player. Um, He ran an insignificant... The horde list. So I believe it was six raiders, uh, two trappers. A Harma was in one of the raiders. Two of the raiders had uh, skin changers. He ended up choosing the eagle and the bear, and then he had Mance Steyer, and Lady Val. So that game was played on Honed and Ready. It's um, so the one with the castle walls that shoot you when you score it, or if you replace a spot on the zone, you can shoot anyone claiming a zone. The importance or claiming an objective. The Important note of that is you don't start scoring it, scoring until round two. But round if you claim the objective round one, you can replace the zone or the tactics board to shoot immediately. So it's an important thing to keep in mind not to claim an objective if there's uh, open spots on the board or else you're giving them free uh, shots at you. Uh, anyways, so I knew I had only one good option that was run my mail list, um, my uh, Roos-Mel-Axel combo, and I run it with uh, two Sentinels, two Wardens, and two Cutthroats uh, normally. But I decided I wanted to swap out one of the cutthroats for another warden to just give myself uh obviously I chose this before the tournament, but I uh I wanted to give myself a little more anchor, um, with so many starks. I didn't want uh the ability to be just you know, too many units for my opponent to use Tully Cav or something and just one shot. Um so I decided on a third warden over the second uh cutthroat. Um, that game was super close. It ended up being a 7-7 tie with me winning on tertiary um, objectives uh, or points. Um, it just, it came right down to the wire. Uh, it really helped that I had six combat units. I know he had eight, but, you know, mine are a bit, you know, more tanky, and I was able to kind of outlast him. Granted, mine gave up victory points. None of his did, so I really had to uh, play it smart. And you know, as the score shows, it wasn't easy um it to uh you know finally take him out because I had two lists with no field commander. I really had to play it smart as well. Uh, I knew that his harma was gonna start double points every round, so i uh I believe I let him have first uh so that way I could mel bomb harma and then mel bomb harma again to uh prevent harma from uh getting uh, double points for too long. Uh, Then he ended up having an endless horde. Uh, I know it doesn't bring Harma back, but it uh, (laughs) filled up that gap to let him jump back on the objective, which kind of screwed up my plan. Um, But in the end, it was an awesome game. Uh, I believe uh, Derek went two and two, which is uh, awesome. I believe he was the only Free Folk player. Uh, And I from what he said he's not he's only had a handful of games under uh under his belt over you know the past year, and he um hasn't played like a ton so I' definitely have to hand it to him um then I had a game against uh John Hurley me and him uh, have kind of gone back and forth again with games uh, I played him in like the first indie event we were on uh the top I believe, the top table, maybe second top. I just know we were streamed. Uh, it was Stark versus Stark, and uh, um, I was able to win that one. But then our next meet, we played first round, the next indie event, and he was able to beat me in that one. So it was nice that I was able to come into this one and uh, barely pull out a victory. I believe it was uh, – I could be off like a point or two, but I think it was like 12 to 10 or something. I think I won by two but uh, we both had a pretty high score, and it came down to the wire. Uh, me being able to kill all three of his wolves, um, eventually, it took way longer than I was hoping. It definitely helped uh, in the end. Um, so I, for that one, I picked my Mel list so that I could potentially Axel um, his wolves. Uh, and then while also, um, have you know, because he had Varus, so he really had to kind of pick where he wanted to shut off, you know, either Roost uh, as the the fuel for Axel. He could either shut him off, try to shut off Axel, try to shut off Mel. Um, you know, it really gave Varus so many targets that it helped me in the end that, uh, you know, there really was no good option, uh, and his wolf still ended up dying Um I feel like, that, and he passed all four of his uh, Varus tokens, so uh, it just kind of, you know, I had to play smart with that one, too. It was definitely a hard game. I know, Brett, you had walked by, and it looked like Hurley kind of had it in the bag for a moment, and then when he came by next, you're like, wait a second, what? Dave's winning, or Dave won? <laughs> um yeah, it's uh,
1: it definitely, I think it was close. I think I think Hurley had you seven to six, and it was difficult really to judge. Um, you know, I was trying to keep my feelers out on all of the games as much as I could while playing simultaneously, but it looked like you guys had a really good game.
0: Yeah, and I think that game, it went a really long time um, because by the time time got called, we were only a little bit into our round, so I think we went a good like 30 minutes past time, you know, to finish up our round. And uh, yeah, it was, it was really close. Uh, and I knew as for as soon as I saw it, I, you know, his list, you know, three wolves is just hard to fight. And I was able to, you know, because, you know, my list has six combat units, I was able to kind of give a nice spread across the field so that the wolves couldn't do their shenanigans? They if you wanted to keep them safe, you had to keep them in the backfield. But if you kept them back there, um, you weren't able to really get them up on the objectives or help uh, you know uh, flank charge or anything. Uh, if I forgot to mention that it's uh, the mission we played was Dance of Dragons. Um, so that one, you know, it was it was really back and forth. I think he uh, he started off by jumping on Mel or on the NCU shutoff to shut off Mel. And Mel did not go off once. So somehow I was able to win that game, and Mel didn't, uh, I wasn't able to use Mel's ability once. Um, so it was, uh, he jumped on that. I then marched my cutthroats. This is for round one. Um, knowing that I had first uh, action next turn, and then I charged Grey Wind. And killed him with the cutthroats and grabbed the objective. But then he was able to do the crazy, you know, shenanigan, stark wombo combo of sudden charge, devastating impact, uh, northern ferocity, or I don't know, and just obliterated my uh, cutthroats. So um, I thought I had it one up on him, but all of a sudden I I realized I was trading a cutthroat unit for a wolf, and uh, it was... I was like, ah, it's going to be one of those games, but somehow I was able to pull it out at the end." So, um, and then last up I played Brett on the top table. We were both 3 and 0. Um, but because uh Brett will be going over his uh soon um, here I will leave that one, uh, and we'll talk about it together uh, when we get to Brett's uh, run-through. Um, next up would be Justin, but uh, he's still not uh, on. I'm going to try to get a hold of him. But while we wait for him, uh, we'll jump over to Craig, who took second place.
3: Yeah, so I ran the Starks with Rob as one commander and Helen Reed as the other. Um, I know it's common to run it, but Helen Reed is my favorite commander in the game. And the list I ran with him was two Sworn Shields, one included Mira, one included Rickon and Osha, two Cranogneed Trackers, one with the Warden, one without, and a unit of Outriders. NCUs were Sansa, Reed, and uh, Walder. And my theory with the list is that the Sworn Shields will absorb any charge or any big attack that will come their way. And the Outriders and uh, Kranigmen will then surround the enemy and eliminate them um, with the help of my NCU shutting off their abilities. So going to the first game, it was Game of Thrones, and I was against a gentleman named Anthony from New York. And he was running Baratheons, Courtney Penrose, with Rose Knights, two units of Rose Knights, I think a unit of Sentinels. Um, he had a unit of cutthroats, and I believe a unit of Dragonstone Champions of the Stag. Which was it was a rough list. It was really defensive. Um, I was worried about having enough firepower to get through it. Um, but what ended up happening is, is uh, I got the objective card that allowed me to draw a card every time I took the objective. So what I would do is put Shaggy on it and then I would activate him and use a Spree Maneuver off of it, then maneuver back on it. So I had a constant source of cards, which gave me a big advantage. Um, to open the game, I advanced up the middle with the Sworn Shields. Uh, he advanced with the Rose, Rose Knights. Um, he was able to get the uh, Champions of the Stag into the flank, but I had him Helen Reed on him, and then I dropped uh, cranic Traps to drop a weaken Token on him, so their attack on um, my flank did next to nothing. Um, I had Swift Advance in my hand, which with their rear now exposed to my craning men, I was able to double tap them with one unit, then hit them with another. Uh, the other objective I controlled at the time was free maneuver after scoring from it. So then I was able to hit them again in between rounds. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get to kill in between rounds because he passed the panic test, but was able to kill him immediately the next round. And then after that, all I had to do was welder a unit, surround it, and kill it. wall a unit, surround it, kill it. Um, it wasn't as easy as I just made it sound, but that's ex- essentially how the game went. It took me a long time to carve through him, though, and he scored a lot of points in the process and ended up being a final score of 12 to 8. Second game was honed and ready and I was playing a Nightswatch player, Cam. Um, I ran the same list, and what I did was he had Sworn Swords with the Attachment John in them. So I had to make sure I kept Walder on them, and I just surrounded, picked off, off awful. Who was his commander, I believe, if I remember right? I was able to surround him with Cranning Crannigmen and the Outriders and pick him off and... I just did the same thing, Walder, surround, kill, Walder, surround, kill. And I don't, I could be wrong on the score, but I think it was like 12 to 4, something like that. Um, The next game was against Brett, which still hurts my soul. But lastly, I had to play Chris Tran, and that was a game for the ages. Uh, I was hoping... Well, the first card uh, we turned over, I was the uh, second player. And top of the second round, we turned over the card that was uh, kill a unit on an objective, score three points. He had a wolf on an objective less than 12 inches away from my Outriders. So we also had the card turned up, score a point for charging. So I'm thinking, okay, I can blow this game wide open. I'll just run right over the wolf with my Outriders and uh, go up four zero with Outriders in his rear. I charged and did a grand total of one wound. So instead of scoring four points and getting behind his lines, I was now stuck out in the middle scoring one point with my flank to brand zerkers. And the third card available was scoring points for flank attacks. So instead of going up four zero, I suddenly found myself in a really deep hole without outriders. Um, but I was able to recover, so was he. It was one of those games that um, goes back and forth. We both kept giving each other options, but they were all terrible options, and we were frustrating each other. Uh, Most of the cards we turned up had to deal with attacks or killing unactivated units or killing units on objectives. So what we would do is just make sure that our units were activated and off objectives, and we were just throwing them away. Um... We'd throw a unit away just to get an extra attack in for the extra victory point. It was bloody. By halfway through the game, we were playing on a two by two squared. Our our entire forces were all in one corner of the table, and stayed that way for the entire second half of the game. Um, by the end of the game, we had I had two half units of totally sworn shields left, and he had half a unit of Zerkers left, and that was it and it came down to the final charge, he could have sat on an objective and tied the game to force round six, or he could charge me, knock me off the objective, and win the game. He charged me and whiffed on the dice rolls. And that was it, and I barely escaped with a one-point win. Probably one of the most fun games I've ever played. Other than that, I just played Brett. Brett. That's
0: awesome. Yeah, the the amount of post games that happened over the weekend is, is insanely high. Like, there there wasn't a ton of, like, crushing victories. Um, you know, it wasn't like, oh, you know, a handful of people just, like, kind of started getting crushings, and now you had, like, you know, these handful of, like, players that are just crushing everyone and a handful of all these, like, newbies. Like, I would say maybe there was almost no one there that was I don't think there was a single person there that was a newbie um, and almost everyone was fairly uh, hard, like hardcore competitive in my opinion um, and what I mean by hardcore competitive I don't mean like win at any cost I just mean like they're they're competitive they're they're really looking to get that first place they're not like just there to kind of you know run a whatever list you know they're uh, they're they're giving it their all, you know, and it really showed with uh, most of the games being really close and tight, uh, you know, uh, games throughout the day. Um, unfortunately, it looks like uh, Justin might not be coming on. So, but uh, if he is able to make it before we are done with the show, then uh, we'll have him talk about his games. I will briefly mention his list, though. Just to kind of give context of what he ran, he was running the neutrals uh, he runs neutrals at every major event and in my opinion, uh the best neutral player I know uh, he is so them he is always gone. I believe every event he's ever done he's went three and one with them. I mean consistency means something you know, just kind of even it going like undefeated at one random event, you know, you go, okay, congratulations, that's awesome, but, you know, someone that can consistently crack, uh, you know, three and one, and, you know, you could easily be an amazing player and get one loss, and the tiebreakers just not go for you, and so, saying their place doesn't necessarily give you an accurate I think the win loss is a much better uh you know representation and Justin has done amazing at every event uh he's ever gone to. Even our locals. Um you know, he ran uh Neutrals, he ran Ramsey. I believe his uh NCUs were uh Roos, Walder and varus Uh and uh, what else was it? Uh Brett, do you remember? exactly what he had?
1: In his Ruth list? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember his, it's his actually, Ramsey list. It's, yeah, it's actually a list that that uh, he and I kind of made together. Uh, we were talking about uh, how to get rid of Flademan, so I suggested a list that I've ran, um, and he opted to drop one of the Storm Crow, Crow lieutenants and swap Peter Baelish for Varus and then add Walder Frey. So, The list I had ran for a while when I was messing with neutrals was uh, Blackguards, two Cutthroats, two Bastards Girls with Stormcrow Lieutenant, Peter Baelish, uh, Varys, and Roos. And so he went ahead and dropped, I guess he dropped Peter Baelish and one of the Stormcrow lieutenants, and took Walder, which obviously is very smart when you're playing a tournament with lots of starts. So that's what his list was. Uh, uh, Bastards Girls with Stormcrow Lieutenant, Bastards Girls, blackguard two cutthroats, Roos, Walder, Frey, Varus. It's a very strong denial lift.
0: Yeah, especially, you know, Roos being able to shut off units. You have Walder being able to shut off units. Uh, it can get, uh, you know, you can really make sure that uh, what you want to not have abilities, that you know, especially if it's like a Death Star type unit, something, you know, really powerful, you can really make sure that is not going to be getting its value worth out of the game so um he uh, then also had a ramsey list which was ramsey and some blackguard two cutthroats two bastards girls um and uh little finger and varus uh i think he had one lieutenant in the bastards girls let's see that's 25 uh uh, i think he had uh, a lieutenant in each best scroll cuz he had 8 points in ncus and then it gives him two points left over so uh two best scrolls with lieutenants, two cutthroats a blackguard with ramsey and reek and then Varus and Littlefinger. um he's run that one for a while now and you know he, even though it is super glass cannon you know his you know he has five up saves and six up saves and um only kind of one anchor unit he's very good at making it count you know he's very good at making uh you know not putting himself into super vulnerable situations where they're going to get you know obliterated um and they definitely have enough uh, damage output to really punish you if you you know put yourself in that situation where they're going to uh be able to capitalize on all their benefits especially if you let him keep taking the uh the wealth zone you know that thundering and uh is it plus one attack die on the lieutenants in bastard scrolls is amazing Braun is awesome in bastard scrolls but if you you know for two point if you have that extra point sure but uh you know if you only have two points you know having two different uh lieutenants on two different units is just amazing um yeah so uh justin like i said he went three and one he played uh uh, Brett in round two. Um, do you guys remember who else uh, he played?
2: Uh, he, he played, played Charlie in round
1: four. Uh, I think he played Cameron as well. And I don't recall who he played round one, but I can go look it
0: up. Yeah, if you could. Um, and so. Yeah, luckily. Luckily, there's this really cool website that keeps all of this stuff, and
1: I transferred all the data over to it. So it's just a skip and a hop, and I can go see exactly what happened.
0: Yep. If you guys want to check out any of that data and how everything's kind of played out, go check out a song of ice and fire Uh That's where we submitted all the results and everything. You'll be able to go check that out there and uh, kind of see, you know, see for yourself uh, the lists and you know you can check out all the different deck lists that were submitted or the army list sorry um, and kind of you know get some inspiration on maybe something that might work for you uh, yeah with that said uh, we just kind of have Brett uh, once you find that uh, you can go ahead and jump into um, the games that you uh, played he played
1: Sean Beck uh, round in round one Sean is a Stark player uh he beat him ten to four. Um and then round two he played me, who's a close game. Round three he played Cameron, I'm almost positive. Um yes, he played Cameron, he beat Cameron thirteen to three. Uh Cameron was wa- was running Nightwatch. Um and then he beat Hurley in round four. I um, can't recall the score. I can look that one up too. Um start twelve in round four.
0: Yeah, I think uh, other than Craig, Justin had the most points killed. So Craig and Justin, like, out-killed, like, pretty much everyone in the tournament. You know, they had a ton of points killed. Uh, uh, I, and did, that was... I did two <laughs> No, you didn't. I can look. All you did was sit is... there and do nothing. Um, you did nothing.
1: I destroyed. <laughs> I destroyed 79. Craig destroyed 84. Um, Justin destroyed 80. And uh, Chris Tran destroyed 89. And then you were next yeah. with 60.
2: Or, yeah, I'm sorry,
1: for those that, uh, early destroyed 74. Anyway. Yeah.
0: For those that didn't see, uh, Chris Tran uh, took fifth uh, with Starks uh, from Sunday Slaughter. He did amazing as well. I, do you guys re- I know uh you- he played you, Craig uh do you remember who else he for his loss yeah. I
2: think uh, he early yeah,
1: totally uh, yeah Hurley beat him round one
0: cool. Yeah so both of Chris's losses were by uh really great players um John Hurley his two losses were uh um me and Justin uh again a very a really great player um so Chris was right in the mix, another amazing content creator. So if you guys haven't checked him out already, go check out Sunday Slaughter's podcast. They're amazing. Um, And he does a bunch of, you know, arguably the best uh, battle reports out there. Um, So, yeah, go check that out. Um, But to wrap up with Justin, yeah, Justin's been a neutral player from the inception of the game. Uh, from the moment you could pretty much start playing this game, he's done neutrals. Uh, he loves his Boltons. Uh, in my opinion, he is the best Bolton player out there. Um, it's hard to necessarily say that because, you know, uh, we haven't, like, had a lot of, like, big-time tournaments that, uh, you know, but that's just my opinion. I, I value his uh, – his how well he does uh, – much more than he would ever give himself credit for. Um, But yeah, with that said, we'll jump over to you, Brett, who uh, we'll have you talk about round one, and then me and Craig will kind of jump in and kind of dual comment uh, or talk about uh, our games with you.
1: So, obviously, round one, it wasn't against any of you guys. I played uh, Chad.
0: Um, Chad
1: is a Stark player. Um, It's always going to be a tough match. (laughs) Excuse me. Um, I went into it. It was Game of Thrones, and you know I know Chad. Chad is very, very aggressive player, uh, recklessly aggressive um, to some extent. But a lot of times, like when you're a when you're a calculated player, like like uh, you know some of us and some of the guys that you play on TTS, like you just kind of come to expect that people just don't take generally don't take high risk plays like a five-inch charge, uh, they're not going to try that. Uh, Chad will try it. <laughs> you know,
2: like,
1: he's not going to charge in here, because if he doesn't one-shot this unit, he's going to get flanked. He'll do it. <laughs> like There's a small chance that he'll one-shot you, he'll do it. Uh, so, that, that's a variable with Chad. I've played a lot of games with him, and, uh, yeah, he, he always finds a way to put me on the ropes in some of these situations just with some of these high-risk plays that he takes. Well, With that in mind, additionally, we set up for Game of Thrones. I rolled a six for the token drop. I rolled a six for the terrain drop. And then I even grabbed a different dice. I was like, there's no way I'm winning this drop. Because when we set the mission, the shutoff NCU and shutoff attachment was on Chad's side. I was like, there's no way I'm winning this roll. You're going to shut off John and you're going to shut off Walter Frey in round one. And I'm going to have to try to play you without two of my most important pieces in my army. Sure enough, I rolled a one. <laughs> I should have I <laughs> went back with the dice that rolled two sixes in a row, but I swapped it out from my dice juju. So Chad gets shut off NCU and shut off um, and shut off uh, John. So luckily the stake, uh, the, the field was littered with, uh, I placed two stakes. Um, I figured it was going to be really, really important playing against Darks. There's something that a lot of players often forget. that It's that stakes are hindering. And even at this event, I had to remind some people that stakes are hindering. You have to roll 2d6 and select the lowest when you charge over stakes. That's in addition to the damage that they do. So I I really like stakes against Starks because a lot of times you're playing against Starks Sworn Swords. If you force them to attack you over stakes, a lot of times they can't afford to do Stark Fury and that stake damage. So you can really leverage position against them using those stakes to your advantage. So I used a lot of the battlefield positioning. Um, I used the stakes to my advantage, and I just kind of played a careful game. I wasn't able to, you know, use Walder to dink a dog in round two. I wasn't able to use Walder to shut off some of his scary units. So I really just had to play a a careful game. And it wasn't really an overly aggressive game. I kind of just... um, played the tokens with the conscripts uh that's what conscripts do and then i put the the deadly units right in the center like the sworn brothers with john the sworn brothers and then the ranger trackers well still having corn half hand ends up being huge because actually when you put corn on a unit of sworn brothers and you have a card like for the watch in the night watch deck like a lot of people sleep on just how good for the watch is as a card if you're Jon Snow's unit, you can suddenly go up to movement eight and you can have nine attack dice hitting on twos with critical blows and sundering thanks to Corrin. Then at that point, you can make these really explosive charges where you reroll everything that's not a six, and you can end up with 13, 14 hits like I did against him. Just go all in. You're hitting on twos. Reroll everything that isn't a six. Try to get some extra crits in there. And it's. I know people... People remember it shall not end until my death because it's such an annoying card, um, but they kind of they kind of sleep on how good Stand United Brothers and For the Watch are. Like those two cards are amazing, and I ended up having to do, I think in almost every game I had to do my little gambit where I do some kind of sacrifice with Ghost to trigger Stand United Brothers. It never fails. I can't get the unit that I want to pass a panic test to heal the other unit. I can't get them attacked, so I have to force a panic test. Well, there's a couple of ways that you can force a morale test. You can do something to, to kill Ghost and play It Shall Not End. He auto-passes the panic test, triggers Stand United Brothers. The other thing that you can do that I do all the time is I will pull Ghost to where he needs to, make, to roll a six to make a charge. So I'll make sure that the unit I'm targeting for the charge is 12 inches away, and then I'll measure my angle to make sure when Ghost ends his charge and takes the panic test, he's within 12 inches of the unit I want to heal, and then bam, you just trigger two cards, or you trigger Stand United Brothers, and if it's targeting John, you heal a four automatically. It's a huge game swing. Um, So I had to use stuff like that to get through Chad, but um, in the end, I was finally able to take over the left flank where I deployed John and the Swarm Brothers, and I had to use the trackers to tie stuff up, and I had to use Ghost to tie stuff up just to wait him out long enough to score that center objective long enough to win the game. So that was that game. Next, I played Justin. And honestly, Justin came into the game, and he was like, oh, man, nice watch is like a hard match. And I'm looking at him, and I'm like, dude, neutral with on, Walter Ray
0: Vance, and Ruth." Hang on, Brett. Uh Justin's gonna sure. come on just for a minute just to um talk to you uh, talk with you about his his game with you. because uh, he uh he still has his brother uh visiting from I, I think California, so uh he's spending time with him. But he said he could make it on for like fifteen minutes to uh to kinda go over your guys' game together. So why don't uh, you jump uh into the game with uh, Craig real quick. Sure. Are you okay. Never mind. Justin's on right now. So if you two wanna just uh discuss uh your game together and then uh and then Justin, we already kinda uh talked about your games, uh, if you want to just go over um your guys' game together.
1: Yeah, so basically what I was saying, you know, Justin and I are going into this match. I, I knew his list, I knew what he had he's kind of debating like, oh, do I take Ramsey for the two points or do I take Roos for the shutdown? So I had pretty much made up my mind that in this match against, with the even with the potential of Walter Frey, Roos, and Varys being on the field, I was like, I can't take John. I just, I can't. I've got the two really important Sworn Brother units that can get shut down. I really need to run awful. I need to leverage my crossbows. And if Roos, and walder shut stuff down i can use walder's cards to get something out of that unit i can i can give uh the conscript sundering i can give this the cross those critical blow even if they lose sundering things like this i there's something that i can add with Othel's cards i can get the rerolls in static combat uh things like this so i i chose Othel, and he went ahead and chose the ruthless uh i was pretty intimidated <laughs> like More so than than Justin thought that I should be. But, again, I know that Justin is a phenomenal neutral player. So we start the game, and it was my crossbows and his bastards girls, and we were playing the, you know, I'm 14.2 inches away, so you can't shift and shoot me, I can't shift and shoot you. It's the battle of the bows, right? Who's stepping up and getting shot first? Um, As I recall, I took the risk and put myself out there to get shot first, and Justin knew – how dangerous the crossbows are right They're they're the most dangerous unit in that awful list he knows that the, the lord snow sworn brothers are nasty it's the crossbows that are really going to hurt you this crazy dude <laughs> takes bastards that are almost dead and he's like well if i don't one shot these crossbows they're going to destroy me so i'm going to charging volley over these stakes and hope that i one shot your crossbows and he did <laughs> so <laughs> i've got like These Bastard Girls with two wounds, and I know they're still deadly. My crossbows are dead. I've got two units of conscripts standing on outside objectives, and then I've got trackers with a watch marshal and Lord Snow, like, looking around. They don't have their long-range support anymore. So I ended up having to kill Corrin to freeze the other unit of Bastard Girls, deal with the weaker unit, and then I was kind of able to swing the game. But he had cutthroats that just did not want to die, and I was horribly afraid of these cutthroats because with the vulnerable token, the vicious, and all of this stuff, I am in one-shot territory, and I had put Lord Snow into the flank, and they didn't die because he played uh, count Cruelty on them, and I was like, man, I am in big trouble. The, to be honest, I got very lucky that the trackers that I had in the center had enough room to retreat an inch away and cover up that token, because if not for that, we would have had to go another round, and I think Lord Snow was dead because he was going first. The cutthroats were going to wipe the floor with Lord Snow, and then I've got basically two conscripts and uh, ranger trackers that were severely injured to try to win this survive against these cutthroats that are just going eight shit. <laughs> but it was a really fun game. The score was 10-6, to 6 and, uh, you know... Um, Uh, it sounds cliche when you say like, oh, the score doesn't really tell the whole story, but that's, that's really the case in this game. Like he had some bad luck with his cutthroats getting killed by arrows. um, And it was, it was a much tighter game than you think he was on the verge of those cutthroats, just going ham and wiping my army out. So uh, what, what do you think about it, Justin?
4: I think you give me a lot more credit than what was happening. He doesn't mention, the times where I swung at him and it did nothing uh, with like full cutthroats and he didn't mention even after I shut off Lord Snow, he still had 10 dice swinging with crit blows because he just got it back. It was great.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
4: no, it was it was close. Um, I, like I knew my bastard girls were dead like Brett said and there was nothing I could really do to change that. So I was like, you know what? We're going to die anyways. I'm going hard. <laughs> And it worked, <laughs> so I was pretty ha- happy about that. But, no, I mean, definitely a way better player than I am. So, uh, like, I was I was super nervous going in. Uh, I tried definitely, like, that game and my last game are, like, the two hardest games I think I've ever played. I put, like, everything into it to win. Um, But, yeah, I think the conscripts, being able to sit on those objectives while healing, even with, like, multiple shots a turn, was, like, that... that that's a really good mission for conscripts, obviously, for that reason. They just sit there. My poor guys couldn't stay on objectives to save their life, even with Brett just completely ignoring them. Poor little dudes. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't
1: think I made a single attack against those cutthroats in the corner. No, you didn't.
4: You didn't. They just, didn't. <laughs> they just
1: got the walls did all the work for me.
4: <laughs> yep. I got to say, like, I don't – one thing, though, and this isn't about the game itself, but that mission, I don't love how the objectives are set up. Because it ends up with two units just staring at two other units. And it's not, I didn't enjoy that part of it too much. But that's okay. Yeah,
1: to be honest, honed and ready is, to me, it's like it's a better Game of Thrones because it encourages some, some more fighting. The objectives are a little bit closer. So you do have the option to go in. What I was actually really afraid of was that you were going to shift the Blackguard up just right to the edge of the token to where they still scored. I was afraid you were going to charge my conscripts with the Blackguard and play like Wealth and Cunning and blow the conscripts up and then take over that token on my side of the field and force me to go longer in the game when I was clearly running out of steam. I was running out of steam badly. I had two NCUs to your three, uh, your Varus hit four out of four, which these things can awesome. happen. I'm not even upset about that. That is awesome. <laughs> I'm really glad he did well for you because we had the Varus talk. He did so well the
4: whole tournament for me, and he hasn't done yeah, well for yeah. me in months.
1: Yeah, and it, we were talking about it, and it was like, Varus or Peter, Varus or Peter. Varus let me down, but I'm going to go with Varus because I was lobbying for Peter, and you were like, I'll go with Varus. Varus is important. He might work.
4: I and, definitely wanted he, Peter a lot in that fight, though. There were so many activations. I was like, God, I want Peter. <laughs> well, yeah, once, once I kill
1: Corrin and you've got the NCU advantage, like, yeah, it, it, it stifled your cutthroats or your Bastard Girls, which I had to do it or I, that game was over. If I didn't have Corrin, that game was over. After the bastards Girls blew up the crossbows and the the bastards Girls on the other side were staring at Lord Snow and you're going first, like, uh, this game can get ugly very fast because I have no healing in that list whatsoever that list is like all in for offense and yeah i didn't want anything to do with it but um yeah corin's a big difference maker but once you lose that ncu and give your opponent free run of the tactics board it means a couple of things i can't afford to take Othel to tutor his cards anymore because i need the zone and then it's like a toss-up do i zone replace the crafter for the healing and the card or do i really need the zone like It gets a little bit complicated, but um, I think you did bribery, too. You actually did bribery to shut off Lord Snow and weaken him.
4: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, actually, I found myself in the last year using bribery a considerable amount for either or effect. A year, year or two ago, I definitely complained about it just being trash all the time. And it's still not wonderful, but I find myself using it a lot. Yeah, I mean, to be
1: honest, if I hadn't made the decision to popcorn at the start of the round, if you had another bribery and you sensed that I was going to use corn, I could have been screwed. I don't know if you had it in your hand or I not, think but. I did,
4: and <laughs> I think I thought about
2: it. <laughs> yeah, cause he loses I'm pretty sure game.
4: I discarded it after that, too. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm
1: glad I pulled the trigger when I did.
4: Well, don't worry, Brett. I'm, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you.
1: It was a really good game.
4: Next um, time neutrals are getting first was- place.
1: Going back to our game where I, I played Lannisters on TTS with you and you played neutrals and you literally destroyed my entire army, except for Joffrey, <laughs> but we have always had some really epically close games. Even the even after some of this stuff was revealed, we played the, the 1.7 and you played Baratheon and I played uh, Lannisters with yep. some of the stuff that we had revealed and that game was stupidly close. I know. Like ten to nine. So I I definitely rate you I uh, I respect. I think I won
4: that game actually, just so everyone knows. (laughs) Yeah, I was yeah, it was ten to nine. I got Brett Uh, One.
1: The final strike. You I one shotted your champions of the stag and Mm -hmm. my punishment was and I was running Tyrion. So I tutored counterplot and failed it. (laughs) (laughs) so my my punishment for one shotting you was i lost my nine point unit of pyromancers i was like oh my god
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it was pretty
1: awesome good stuff but um yeah it was a really good game justin um i'm glad we played in a tournament i was not going into the game thinking i was going to dog walk your neutrals i knew it would be tight it did not disappoint um 10-6, Ten to six, all that indicates is that the cutthroats died before they should have. Could have easily been ten to eight. Um and without that last retreat action, it could have been nine to eight going into another round and I don't think I had the gas to make it through another one. So very, very well played game, sir. You as well. Uh and then uh did Dave do you want Justin to talk about anything else or was he
0: um, if you want to hang on, Justin, uh, we'll go with uh, Craig, uh, uh, Craig and Brett's game real quickly, and then we can have you talk about uh, your games if you want. Sure. Okay. All right, yeah, Brett, uh, so oh. I know Craig has a little bit of a time limit, so we'll uh, we'll go with uh, Craig and your uh, your game first. Sure. Uh, what can I
1: say? Um, it was start... Uh, My Jon Snow list is built to play Starks. Um, It's got Wolder Frey. It's got Corrin for the sacrifice at the right time. It's got lots of healing. Um, It's got Craster for the card draw. It's a list that's well-designed to handle Starks. Um, Even without the veterans of the Watch, it still does a pretty nice job. Um, Craig, uh, how to describe Craig? Craig is not your traditional Stark player craig does not play starts the way most people play starts craig does weird stuff (laughs) but it works out (laughs) really well like craig always has a plan and he did like this dog battery on the left side of the field and taught him it was total (laughs) it was a total total bait i knew it was total bait but i had to do it um I figured he and I would be fighting for the NCU objective, but he totally baited Jon Snow into that side of the field to barrage him with arrows and the dogs. <laughs>
2: and
1: it was so close to working. Like, I think he had Jon down to four wounds at the end of the round, and it was like just a failed panic test away from the game literally being over in round two. Um I ate an arrow volley. I took, like, six wounds, and then he shaggy-dogged. I think the arrow volley did four. And then he shaggy-dogged, and he played Devastating Impact with the horses and did two wounds there, two hits. I failed both. So all of a sudden, John's, like, looking around. He's got one rank left, (laughs) holding on to this token for dear life. And I was like, "Uh, okay, if he sansas and sends Summer in with Skin Changing, There's a very good chance I'm dead. Um, He chose not to do that. He saved Sansa for later, which proved to be really, really clutch for him. Um, But at the end of the day, I did a gambit where I sent my – I played Watcher on the wall just to march Conscripts up to attempt to steal the token from Rob and hold on to it. Uh, He had tactical regroup. (laughs) He He was not having it. I was like, I'll charge Rob and maybe I'll keep him from the token for a round or so. And, sure, he'll attack me statically, but um, shouldn't do too much damage. Nope, tactical regroup. Heal D3, get vulnerable, get charged, get wrecked. <laughs> like, just so bad. Um, and then at the end of it, it came down to um, I had two sworn brothers on one side defending John, uh, Ranger Trackers didn't really know what to do because they were scared of brain and hodor and uh um the tully calves were like in the middle of the field unchecked so i had to core in the tully calves i put walder onto the berserkers and i looked at the score it was seven and he had the token or no excuse me it
3: was seven to five right craig uh, no, that was the last round. I think it was like nine to... I think it was seven to nine or something like that. Or si- well, six. I know six.
1: Was, I know uh, ultimately yeah. I did this play where I took Walter Frey and I wanted to take the crown because I didn't want to risk taking a panic test with John. And it allowed Ghost to get charged by the Berserkers. Then all of a sudden... <laughs> The game's not very comfortable, and um, I had to I had to kill a unit, and you healed the berserkers with the money bag and put them back up to eleven. So my plan to charge with the sworn swords, the sworn brothers, and get rid of Brandon Hodor went out the door because I had put Walder on them to stop you from calling Hodor. Um, then I was like, well, eleven wounds are too many. I, I'm not going for it. So I ended up flanking the Tully cab with the conscripts shooting them with the Rangers and then front charge with the sworn brothers. And I had to do eight wounds and you just failed miserably on your defensive save. And that's how it ended because I, again, I didn't have the gas to make it another round because Rob was unchecked on a token. I didn't have anything over there to contest him in any way, shape or form. And the only units I had to kill were the Tully Cab and the Berserkers and you were going first the next round. So if the Tully Cav had lived, I believe you said you had attack regroup in hand, and that was dead sworn brothers, and then that gives you the advantage, and John can hold the token all he wants, but you scored three that round, and I only scored two. That's the end of the game.
3: Yeah, that dice roll at the end still hurts my soul. It was ten dice. I needed three four-ups. To survive it, and I didn't roll a single four up, not one. Yep, I had I had the vulnerable token, which helped, but you did.
1: I think you failed. I think you failed six out of ten, and then I was like, "Well, vulnerable," and then you dropped those four dice, and not one single save. So it was pretty terrible. I it, I didn't think it was going to go that way. Um, and like I said, even Tully at one rank, you. You had enough options for kills that you could have tacked regrouped, charge them, penned them, and then Brandon Hodor are the heroes who flank charge them, and there's no surviving that because I didn't have the ability to shut you off. You did a really nice job on the rounds where you went first. I think every single round, even if it wasn't necessarily to your benefit, You took the crown just to keep Walder Frey out of the game, which I think is a really smart play, Um, particularly when you're playing, like, Stark-style Death Star stuff. Um, Getting Walder Frey out of the equation is huge. So my Walder Frey
3: literally only works for two rounds. And the worst part about it is Rob, or not Rob, John passed every single one of those panic tests, every single one. If he fails one of those, that's all I needed. To get him to drop token. I think yep. he passed like eight throughout the game. And a couple of them with, uh, with Vicious.
1: Yep, something like that. I, I, I had my happy trees. I had my happy tree to help me out, but
2: uh, still. <laughs> right. um,
1: mathematically, you know, you take that many panic tests, even at a five-plus. You'd like to think one would be a fail, and that's, yeah, like you said, that's really all you needed was for him to drop the token, you to get Varus back. Because that was the huge thing, your varus did nothing the entire game, not one single order because i right. for, I used for the watch to go pick that token up
3: yep, and well, and that's what saved you too. I was going to snag it with a dog before you could even get to it, but hindsight's twenty twenty yeah that but yeah my, we, my, I was uh, talk- My whole plan was to bait John into that and then either beat him to the token or hit him with so many panic tests from the bows and you waste so many units protecting him that you would drop the token or waste your activations and allow me to win on the rest of the table, which is ultimately what happened, but it wasn't enough points. It was too little too late. I needed you to fail one more panic test. It just didn't happen. So, like
1: I said, you, you have a different approach to the game. Um myself included. Um yeah, it it's not just me though, it's it's myself and a lot of these uh guys who play on, on I call it the worldwide meta, the TTF meta where you can play anybody in the world, just the the dogs serve as just like an activation battery, but not Craig's dogs. <laughs> Craig's dog Craig's dogs are going in and getting their getting their licks in. Um that play with Shaggy Dog was huge. Um, it nearly, like I said, it nearly literally won you the game. Because I rolled a three on that Panic D3. And if I, I think I rolled exactly a seven, which is what I needed to pass. But yep. one, one dice change there, and that's John dead. And there is no, there is zero recovering from that. There is absolutely no way that I can win that game. You blew up the conscripts on the right side of the field. I would have had to really put the trackers in a spot to try to get rid of John, but you had Tully Cav babysitting. Like there was just no forgiveness for me with those panic tests. And, uh, that this day, the dice were on my side. Um, we will meet again. I'm confident of it. And, uh, I think you're, I think you're going to get me next time. I hope so.
3: It was a hell of a game.
1: They've They've been close games. Uh, the game before that at the um, Gen Con event, uh, you were, I mean, it was two Protection of the Fathers that I had in my hands in a row. That's how close that game was to being blown apart, um, just having those cards in the hand at the right time. So you and I have had two epic games, sir, and I cannot wait for the next one.
3: Agreed. And It'll
0: be, uh Uh, Since you've already talked uh, about the the one with Brett, uh, why don't you just uh, give us a quick rundown of your other three matches that you had that day?
4: Sure. Uh, So I happen to have played two Starks and two watch. Who would have guessed half Starks? That never happens. Um, So first game, I don't know his last name. I'm sorry if you're listening, Sean, Um, but I'm sure Brett knows his last name. Sean back. Sean Beck. I've played him before at the last tournament I went to. Awesome opponent. Love playing. Um, so he's a Stark player. And that game, I definitely thought I was going to lose until about round two. Uh, many neutral games feel like that now that I think about it. Um I never, I think Drew calculated cruelty until the end. My last two cards were wealth and cunning. I was not getting my cards, and I was, I was drawing them. I was drawing a ton of cards, a lot of mail spots. I played roost that game, obviously by the calculated cruelty statement. Um, and I think the highlight of the game though was definitely on like the second activation that I had. I played a flayed man has no secrets, and this dude had all three Roger Commander cards in his hand. <laughs> It was awful. I was like, Oh no. Uh, but luckily at the last tournament I went to like a couple of weeks ago, our local, uh, I got totally, uh, martial superiority with bastards girls and realized how just ungodly devastating it is for them. So in my head, uh, it was no choice. I, I got rid of martial superiority. Like it was going out of style. I'm not about to shoot two shots and waste an entire activation on bastards girls. No, thanks. That's a complete waste of my time. Um, so that did allow me to get up into Roderick's face. However, I think the deciding factor was he went he uh did the risky thing that a lot of people do with berserkers and it works out half the time. Uh and he charged in a little bit ahead of his line, uh, hoping to do some, some massive damage, but I did happen to have worth the reward and wealth and cunning in my hand. Um, and those those minimize the damage to a fairly insignificant level. And then I got a nice, sweet, uh, I think it was a a rear charge on the berserkers with bastard girls. So, uh, I destroyed them very quickly. And then from there, I was just able to, to keep the momentum going. And that helped me out a lot. Second game already talked about. I won against Brett third game,
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
4: third game was against my man cam uh he's a local indie guy super super cool guy I uh, always loved playing cam he played night's watch the highlight of that game i'm not really sure highlights the right word but uh i killed ghost <laughs> with cruel methods and are <laughs> sharp <laughs> i barely got it I had to play both cards and barely killed Ghost. How ridiculous is that? You know how he died? Token. I rolled him he rolled a six into a one.
3: He didn't even <laughs> die to the
4: damage. Ten attacks hitting on twos with cutthroats. Vulnerable you know token at all.
1: You know what that sounds like? That what? sounds like Cameron. Cameron using Shane's dice. That like, sounds
4: like awful. It's not even or not awful. It's not McDonald's. even that
1: uncommon. What dice was he
4: rolling? Uh, the ones that Chris Tran gave him.
1: Oh,
2: so he, <laughs> those, dice <are> too. <laughs> those dice were Those dice were busted.
4: Well, so I sat there for a while debating like I had both cruel methods, blades are sharp, and I had panic tokens on everybody because I drew both um sadistic games and I uh, cycled from my graveyard back. So I had three uh, sadistic games that I used that round. And so the first one, he took the hits, you know, whatever. Uh, or no, no. Yeah, first one, he took the hits. And then the other two, because I put a vulnerable token on Ghost, he started just taking the panic token. So I had panic tokens on every single unit. And I'm like, I don't want to waste Blades or sharp on a freaking dog. This is the dumbest thing ever, especially with cruel methods because I'm re-rolling. <laughs> like, this is ridiculous. And I had to, and he died to a panic test. If he wouldn't have died, I don't think I could have won that game. Uh, I needed my my Bastard... Because he was engaged with Bastard Girls and Cutthroats, I think. So I needed them unengaged to start killing things. But damn was the MVP, that stupid Marshall and those trackers. That dude just pumps out so many shots. If I didn't have the forest, weirdly enough, for once in my life, like actually giving me cover, so the minus one... Continuously against him, I think I would have lost so much. It was it was awful. I did decide to go with Ramsey though, which is the one game I played Ramsey with. Questioning it because weirdly enough, that was only a seven activation list with only two NCU's. Yeah, that's right. Suck at three NCU meta. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> you are speaking.
1: That is heresy.
4: Nope. I won with two NCU's. Ha ha ha. You're up. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, but that was a really good game. It did end up just snowballing for Cameron. I I'm sorry for that game, Cameron. It was it was a crushing victory. Don't don't hate me. <laughs> and then so with that game under my belt, I went up against the dreaded Starks again, and it was John Hurley. And I have played John Hurley before, and John Hurley is a very tough opponent, especially for me. He's very calculating very smart uh so i i really wanted to push myself to win that game not so much for the tournament because as i was kept telling everyone i was trying to get fourth place because that's like my designated spot because that's all i ever get uh which i failed to do this time i'm really sad i got third um but i wanted to win to see if i've improved essentially Yeah, I <laughs> I was trying to win to see if I, if I could to, to beat someone I haven't beaten before and playing a, a really a 10 activation Stark list against my eight activation roost list. I wanted to see what I could do and I pulled it out and there were some major plays that happened. One of them, my poor bastard girls failed. to. I don't remember if it was a two or a three inch charge, um, but they failed. That sucks because there was Tully cab that hit him in the, uh flank i think uh but i did have calculated cruelty so i was able to shut him down before they did that thank god so i i soaked that pretty well and then i flank charged um the tully cab with my other bastard girls and this poor guy oh my god he rolled i don't like five out of six threes and he needed fours and then he failed his panic test so in that normal, no-cards flank charge from not, from Vanilla Girls, uh, I one-shot as Tully Cav. And that opened the game up wildly for me. Uh, super wildly. I, I, I was able to to like hold my ground a lot better, and I was able to use Calculator Cruelty for two other huge plays. And it's exactly like the best use for the card. It's when a unit activates, you don't really care about shutting off. You use it to kill them with the wounds. And I killed sworn swords when they activated and i killed berserkers when they activated and it was enormous it was the last round there was a card for when you kill a unit you get a point it was enormous he had gotten eight points in a row from the holding the center objective card and i was really worried because i was a ton of points 70 or 66 percent of his points that he needed already on the field easy peasy and i had to really push it and i went through almost every single card in my deck uh, and I was, I was really happy with the game, how it turned out. It was um, 12 to 11, and then 12 to 11. He did only end up killing one unit because I think I got, like, I don't know, 25 wounds back from Spoils of War. Some craziness. That card, <laughs> that card was awesome. Um, but that was a very challenging game. I did not actually expect to win. And that was my tournament. I had a great time. I was very tired, though.
1: Well, you weren't on That's at the awesome. beginning of the show. Um, I'll just repeat what I said, just except for the part about you. Um, except, oh. except I am exceptionally uh, proud of you guys, the, the small council team, as it is. Um, I mean, you came in there with neutrals into an all-star field. Um, as we've mentioned, uh, Chris Tran is one of the highest rated TTS players in the world. Um, He is very good at the game. Um, He was there. Um, John Hurley has proven that he can play with the best players. There were not easy games at this event, and you did such a good job uh, sticking to the neutrals, as always, and making ends meet.
4: You got to stick to to loyalty. I'll always play neutrals in tournaments. Don't worry, everybody. Someone's got to win with them.
2: Yeah,
0: that's awesome. I mean, only one neutral player, one free folk player, got to give it up to, you know, the factions that aren't, uh, well, especially neutrals, you know, free folk are, you know, you see them all the time on TTS, but neutrals, TTS or in person, you don't really see them almost ever. And that's like throughout the entirety of, you know, the life of this game. I don't think there's been any, at any, were neutrals something you saw all the time everywhere uh at any event um you know that I've ever heard of. But uh, yeah, with that said, um Brett, if you wanna go ahead and talk about uh your last game. My last game.
1: Dave <laughs> I am I'm so sorry, Axel got me frustrated again. <laughs> <laughs> It was uh, – yeah. I just couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it was me and you. So, as we've talked about, like, we've been to all these events together. Um, I went to that Gen Con primer, but you were playing that goofy Lannister list. That's not, that's not Dave. I still don't – it still doesn't count, Dave, until we play real deal. You're bringing your Starks, and you are just gunning for it. Hopefully at Gen Con, you'll bring the, the real deal, and, and uh, we'll meet – But, um, yeah, I was a little, it it was a long day, um, you know, having to, having to leave right after the first round and rush all the way over to the, you know, east side to drop my kids off and and things like this. I was under a little bit of stress throughout the day. Um, I just have such bad luck (laughs) playing against Baratheon and, uh, but anyway, we, we still had a great game, um. You nuked Ghost in round one. Uh, obviously, it was coming. There's <laughs> nothing in my deck to stop it. Um, I chose the Othle list um, because in that scenario, I really wanted the uh, the Ranger Double Tapper. Uh, there's so many missions where that guy can just start getting you a crazy amount of points. Attacking in the flank, um, if you get into the flank and double tap them, that's two points um having them as the option for passing on actions to score two points uh getting into your opponent's backfield they're a fast unit uh their speed came in handy when i needed to cover a token that i was exactly 18 inches away from just things like this i just really felt like i needed to use the awful uh killing enemies before they activate you know the crossbows with critical blows and rerolls can make it happen but more importantly you know, playing against Baratheon, I don't want to be engaged with you. If I can avoid it, I don't want to be engaged at all. Uh, the Ranger trackers can retreat, which I want to do anyway, and they can shoot you on the way out. So that's a win. Um, just so many reasons I really liked the Othle list in that matchup. Um, so I went with Othle, obviously, and you went with the ruse Axel Mel, and you put me in such a bad spot because that damn pass in action with NCU to score points was active the entire game. And Melisandre just gets to ping me and ping me and ping me. And she doesn't even need to go onto the board, but she put me in a spot where I was having to activate to heal the crossbows because they were just getting bombed. So throughout the game, I was kind of playing off of my back foot and, uh, I got the flank shots with the crossbows, but, um, it didn't really start to turn around for me until that mission where we had to cover victory, uh, to cover the objective. And I was just able to get those trackers on that objective with not millimeter to spare. I mean, they went exactly onto the center of that token. And then with the pivoting arc, uh, just barely covered it. So, uh, it was a really good, fun game. And, uh, Just really great to see Baratheons and Night's Watch on top table. Uh, Going into round four, we knew that Starks were not going to win this event no matter what happened, so that is always a win. So just really great to finally play you in an event.
0: Yeah, I was super excited because I... I think I bring it up every event. I bring it up that, you know, you're winning all these events, but you've never had to go through me to do it. <laughs> so, you know, we finally uh, crossed paths. And, you know, of course, you know, epically at the top table um, last round. So we're both undefeated. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it it did kind of suck. I felt like I did have the upper, upper hand with uh, the list that I was, you know, the list that I took versus either list that you could have taken. Uh, So I felt kind of bad uh, because with your frustration, it's the same frustration I've had. It's the same frustration I'm sure almost everyone's had. Uh, And I, you know, don't blame you, uh, but, in the end, it definitely uh, it worked out. Uh, you know, uh, Axel was able to do his job with you know getting rid of the wolf, but Mel uh, was not able to uh, kill a single unit. Uh, she brought the crossbows down to like one model, I think like twice, brought them down to last rank multiple times,
1: and that was a result of Moneybag and Crafter, And then on those very very key panic tests. Um, even though I did fail them, um I rolled a one for the when I was down to six wounds, I rolled a one both times, just barely hanging on with those guys.
0: Yeah, and what else was it? Another huge misplay I had uh, was the attack in the rear or uh, flank card. I did not realize it worked for ranged attacks, uh, which kind of, you know, that's my bad. I uh, have not played with the old mission deck in a long time. Ever since they released the missions and the cards uh, in that holiday update, I've been non-stop playing the new stuff, and so when that card, you know, got drawn, I was like, okay. And knowing that there's no uh, points for killing units uh, with, you know, unless you have that one card out, uh, I was, that's when I charged you, what did I need, a five to charge your yep. ranger trackers? And I was like, you know what? Why not? Because if I can uh, engage them and keep them stuck and away from my other stuff, you know, in worst case, I fail and then he kills me. I don't even give up a victory point. I know it was kind of a, a risky play because it's not as simple as that. You know, I'd lose in a unit, you know, and he could be a little more offensive. But um, I was like, but if I can, I can really, you know, if I can take out a rank, that can really limit the usefulness of his, you know, of your of your double tap. And uh, I was what one wound away from taking away uh, a whole rank. Yep. So yeah, it. Yep. You charged uh, in.
1: Uh, I can't remember if I played shield on them. I think you. If you, I I know I, I didn't play shield. You hit seven. And I blocked
0: two. Yep. And uh and then you failed your panic but you only lost I think two or three or something. Yeah, I think three. You lost no, you lost three from the from the attack and then two from the panic. It was five wounds total. I didn't go in there expecting to kill the unit, but I was really hoping to just take out a rank. Um but yeah, it uh Like I said, my big misplay was doing that and then forgetting that you got points for shooting my flank with ranged attacks because I think uh, you got two points just for that because you shot them twice in the flank um, with the crossbows, uh, getting you two points there. Um, So I think that could have made a big difference had I just chose to. Uh, retreat with them, or not necessarily retreat, but, you know, move back and kind of make you come even further to me. Uh, that would have been two less points. Um, and then not only that, I, you know, I like you said, that one mission to pass on um, NCUs, I knew I could, if I just played it more safe, I could bide my time and then just win out that way. Um, you know, I know you had as many NCUs as I did, but you – I saw, when I saw you activate one of them, uh, start of round two, I knew that I'd at least be up by one point if I just kept passing with every single one of them. But then, uh, as um, you had mentioned before, uh, that Mel, um, you know, doing damage to your units, you, you had to activate at least one of your guys to take the, the wealth to heal back up. Otherwise, they definitely would have been a dead uh, crossbow unit. Yep, and I
1: honestly, I really didn't want to lose that unit. Um, in hindsight, you know, passing on the passing on the NCUs, I probably could have been in a less desperate, uh, more favorable spot. But the interesting thing with secret missions, and again, I really like secret missions. Uh, you never know what mission is going to come up. So um, I wasn't really too sure that I didn't need to cross those in case I had to table you.
0: Yeah, and for those wondering why the NCU one stayed out for so long was uh, Brett went first. And he drew, uh, at the end of the round, he drew the card and you have to replace and the card he drew was the NCU one. So I knew it would last for that round, my next round and another round before he'd be able to replace it. So I knew I could get at least nine, uh, points from not activating, which then I knew my strategy just needed to be to get three more points in some other way, uh, and then obviously make sure that Brett didn't get uh, more points, you know, some other way as well. And because, like I said, when you activated the first NCU and actually took the board, I knew that that would give me a one up, but then things just started kind of falling apart with your guys making their panics uh, or just barely failing and not taking enough damage. Um, You know, There's a lot of little things. I think there was nothing like major other than, I guess, if I said if I were to count anything major, just me misplaying and the fact that I misread that card. Um, But, uh, but yeah, overall, it was an awesome game. Uh, It was kind of back and forth the whole time. It was never a clear victory for either person. Uh, I think at most at any one point, either of us were only ever up by two points never you know it was never like a landslide at any point in that game no it was
1: it was very very tight um it's what you would expect at the top table uh, it could have gone either way I think there at the end with with the missions that were were to come up um, just really really fortunate um that the panic vulnerable and weakened That was, like, the key mission, but uh, I had gotten rid of Horn That Wakes the Sleepers, so I had no way to place my fire that burns against the cold to get that to help me out. Um, And it was just uh, too difficult to get a unit with all of those tokens. You had ways to put out weakened, but not really panicked and vulnerable. Um, Yeah, so it was really interesting. That mission was kind of a dud just because of the state of the game, so... Yep.
0: Yeah, and I almost had you once with that one because I was trying to attack you with my uh, my wardens to get some weakens there and then use some other ways to – a roost to get out some panic and then maybe take the, the letter for uh, um, the vulnerable. Absolutely. But uh, you you didn't roll a single one on any of your, uh, your damage, so – but yep. uh, yeah, overall it was an awesome game, awesome tournament. Everything was super close uh for most of all of our games. Um it was definitely not a blowout by any means by any person. Um and I can't wait for uh Gen Con. Uh so those that are, you know, looking forward to it, you know, go check out Gen Con's uh page. I believe they have the dates up and um I wanna thank my hosts for coming on to their uh tournament exp- uh experience they had over the weekend. Uh, For everyone that did make it, uh, thank you so much for traveling all the way. For those that couldn't make it, I know there's a lot of people that wanted to come but weren't able to. Don't worry, there's definitely going to be more in the future. Um, There's tons of prize support, all from CMON, and uh, Small Council Radio provided, I believe, like six unit boxes and a huge bin of tokens, sleeves, and a bunch of other stuff. I wanna thank uh Chris from Sunday Slaughter for coming out as well and playing. You know, he brought his uh equipment and he recorded uh two games and then uh I believe two games during um, the event and then also recorded one the next day for uh, a battle report for his show. So stay tuned for that one. I'm sure he's going to uh, announce that soon. Uh, I won't give any details in case he wants to keep that a secret. But, um, again, thank you. Uh, if you guys have not already, check us out on Facebook. You can check us out on any of the places that we have our show linked on, which is Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. There's a bunch of others that we have that i got to try to remember to. Put in there so that you guys know that we're on there. Um, you know, if you guys haven't seen it already, we do have. Uh, a, I think for one more day, we we'll have a, a a giveaway going on. Uh, if you go on our main uh, Facebook page, you can find a, a post. Um, the giveaway is for the new card packs. We're going to give away seven of them. Of the winners' choices, there will be seven win uh, seven people picked. Um, you all you have to do to uh get put into the raffle is to comment on the, on that post and like our Facebook page and then um if you have purchased any of the foil packs uh for that I think was in the the CIMAN Asia Expo uh You, if as long as you provide proof that you bought them, either it be a receipt or uh, email receipt or just a picture of the physical product, just make sure to put a timestamp on there or some way to prove that it's yours and not just something you you know someone could have found on the internet, Uh, you know, and then you'll get one additional entry for every pack that you bought. Let's say you collect every army and you bought seven of those packs, you'll get eight entries, one for each of the armies and then one base, uh, entry. Um, and we will be picking a winner. Uh, I said on the second, uh, it will just depend how things kind of play out. Um, if I'm free that day, I'm really uh, busy this week, but, uh, uh, I will pick it uh, soon, if not the second, maybe a day or two after that. Uh, and I actually plan to write out everyone's name on a raffle ticket, throw it into one big bin, and then uh, randomly select all the, the winners like that rather than try to do some random algorithm on uh, online. So definitely try to share that out uh, the best you can. Um, thank you all for listening in. This is the Small Council Radio, and it is dismissed.